marketing is partly trying to influence people to adopt new behaviors. Mm. And what you hear see is the economy trying to do some marketing and teaching consumers a lesson on, hey, you probably want to decrease your spending, slow down, reevaluate, etc. Today's guest in CMO Talk is Ralf Rijks, Global Vice President Marketing at Zalando. This is CMO Talk, the podcast. Marketing discussed at the highest level. CMO Talk is sponsored by our valued partner, Adobe. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to CMO Talk. My name is Klaas Weima. I'm a professional marketer, founder of Agency Energize and podcaster since 2008. In this monthly show, we unravel the secrets of world's marketing giants. And I'm Adam Fields. I'm a stand-up comedian, actually, and, and father of two daughters. So I want to know... Why are Zalando parcels delivered to my house every week? <laughs> we'll get into that later. Hmm. Today we are honored to have Ralf Rijks as our guest. Ralf is global VP marketing for online fashion platform Zalando and leads a team of 200 marketers in 25 markets. Before that, he worked for fashion brands Scotch and Soda and led the successful turnaround of Heineken, which struggled in the States. Yeah, and uh, today we're going to talk about marketing in times of crisis. After all, winter is coming for all you Game of Thrones fans out there. Uh, So what can marketers do when the going gets tough? We're going to ask what strategy and tactics they can adopt. And from his experience in difficult markets, Ralph will share some insights, including hopefully some do's and don'ts. What does it take to keep your marketing head cool when the world is on fire or freezing for that matter? Answers to these and many more questions right here in CMO Talk. Ralph, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ralph. Thank you, Adam. Nice to have you. One of the first signs of a recession is when marketers are cutting down on budgets and on research and development. Do you see the tide shifting in marketing as well? So I think... The, the way, at least what I look at it, is so sort of we have these macroeconomic indicators. And the, the one I learned is sort of the starting one, the starting point of anything is the consumer confidence indexes. Mm-hmm. And for any developed market, you have this index. And I think that's where it all starts. And if you look like at those indicators, they've been down for quite some time. So with all these impulses in the economy, I think the economy has a lot to chew on at the moment. I don't mm. think we need the list here, but... I think we all know. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all aware. It would yeah. take about six minutes of the podcast. Yeah. But I think all those things are now contributing to like really harsh consumer confidence being down the drain. Mm. And I think it's our job to sort of see that coming, which you can, because it's been a ski slope for quite some time. Yes. And it's our job now to have predicted that and to be ready to to tackle what's coming. Yeah, but still, mm. people spend a lot of money. Yeah. Consumers <laughs> still spend. Like the restaurants are full. People go to platforms to buy stuff. Mm, yeah. Uh, mm. that, that's weird, isn't yeah. it? There's like a discrepancy. Between yeah, there's them. a lag. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lag. Because yeah. I, I think also inflation, we, we haven't had inflation for ages. Yeah. So no. I don't think actually people sort of know inflation. What is yeah. that? Because yeah. most of us probably weren't around in the 70s. <coughs> uh, or, <coughs> yes, it was. Well, maybe not. <laughs> with your pocket money and all that, <laughs> yeah. right? But probably not with a job. So I think that's that's there's a lag. Mm. And I think the other thing is that it takes time for people to ad- adopt sort of mm. new behaviors. Mm. I think that's, you know, marketing is partly trying to influence people to adopt new behaviors. Mm. And 
what you hear see is the economy trying to do some marketing and teaching consumers a lesson on, hey, you probably want to decrease your spending, slow down, reevaluate, etc. So, yeah, it's going to take some time, but it will, yeah, as you said, Adam, winter's probably coming. Yeah. So do, do you think people are less inclined to buy new fashion this winter or fall? Or, or, is, it, or is it a reaction of they're going to carry on spending, but maybe price will be more important? Well, I do think that, you know, reading news reports and sort of the economic reports we're coming out now is that consumers are being, you know, dealt with a harsher hand. And I think the biggest one probably is the energy crisis, right, mm. at the moment, where we really see the energy contracts of households really going, you know, times two, times three. And across that, the board. Well, across the board. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. You know, that is quite a massive mm. Um, mm. impulse. So, Well, people will need more more clothes then. Just they might need clothes. a sweater or two for yeah. inside, yeah. yeah. And I, I think people are going to sort of look at how they spend and also, you know, where am I using energy and, you know, the car, the train, mm. all those things. So I do think that we will see shifts. What, what do you see in the world around you talking to other marketers? Are they already cutting down budgets? So, I mean, it's hard to reveal like what everybody's doing, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what what I would say, there's enough research that you can find and not like very superficial research, but I think academic research that's actually been well-sponsored and well done, which can actually speak a little to what you should be doing. And I think that the, the way I would describe it, it's a relative game. So... Just in an as an analogy for non-marketeers, but potentially mm-hmm. it's it's you know if if you're a consumer, you're walking through the forest or jungle of brands. Each brand is a tree, and if there's lots of trees, like on Times Square, you're not going to get a lot of messaging across. But I think re- recession brews opportunity, and that's also externally because now some of the trees are going to go away or they're not going to be watered anymore, so they're not going to be as green or attractive or growing as fast. Mm-hmm. So it's all about relatively investing in the right places. And I think in the recession, it the key, I think, demonstration you can bring as a marketeer is to show what you've done when it was sunny outside. Yeah. Oh. How smart have you become? What have you invested in? spoken like a true marketeer, always finding the positive. But So in that analogy is the upcoming recession an opportunity for Salando? So I see, yes. I, I was also thinking on the way here is that probably some of the younger cohort across the world, right? So it doesn't matter, matter in any industry that you're working, but probably the younger cohort of professionals, be it in banking or shipping or anywhere fashion, mm. probably hasn't experienced a crisis. Right. Because it's, you know, probably if you started around 2011, 2012... We've had it good, yeah. Yeah, we've sort of had a good wave, right? And it's been very heavily supported by, you know, central banks, et cetera, fine. Long story. But it's been a good wave and a good run. So I think also for that um, cohort of professionals, it's also useful to talk to, like, I'll call myself old here, the older generation, like, what was it like? What did we do? You know, what worked, what didn't work? And I think it's about, hopefully you've, you know, repaired the roof while it was sunny outside, as I said, and you've got some good things to, to run on into harder times and you know where to invest and I think with um, with my team I always talk about the cake and the icing and I think you know you have to focus on the cake now yeah right. but also you have to be creative right in terms of recession you have to of course do your utmost to uh, get attention from, from consumers because probably budgets are limited any plans in that direction? Well, maybe just yeah, what, you, Zolando, what is Zolando doing more yeah. specifically? So I think yeah. that the, the most, probably what, what's interesting also from an internal, so externally I agree, right? You have to see creativity and you have to look at opportunities and what's worked in the past and where do we, 
how can we do better than our competition? Mm. And, you know, attention's the whole jungle, so it's not just our competition, but it's the whole media spectrum and landscape that we need to do better on. But I think internally, I think <clears throat> from my past, what I've seen work as well is that some discussions that you could never have, you can now because things like? are moving. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's about processes. It's about the logistics. It can be about anything, mm. but there are... Um, also, also secondhand. You had part of your part of your platform now is is pre-owned, as you call it, secondhand yes, clothes. I indeed. Mean, so you're jumping on the bandwagon of companies like Vinted, you know, seeing it as an opportunity, people going going for for, for so, used clothes. Yeah. What's interesting is marketing across 25 markets or more. They're never the same. Mm. So I think that's sort of the first sort of mental <coughs> step you have to take. It's really good to look at markets in a de-average manner because if you're going to average everything out across Europe you're not going to get very far. Mm -hmm. So I think the core to here is, you know, keep it simple, but by market. So really look at the market, look at the competitive landscape, do your analysis, look at, you know, what's going on and make the best commercial plan you can by market. So we have, you know, 25 plans. Right. And also learning from maybe from experience, because you worked at Heineken for a decade and, and your last role for Heineken was in the United States where you took up the challenge to stop declining sales there. And you implemented a successful growth strategy and made Heineken, the Heineken brand healthy again in the US. Um, how did you accomplish that? And, and, and you know, can you share some of the insights yeah, so, within this theme of this, this show? Yeah, so I think, you know, marketing maybe at its most simple, and, you know, you have parts of, you know, strategy and all that, but I think, that, that I think at its most simple, what you do is diagnosis, then you think about a strategy, and then you have some tactics. Mm. And I think strategy is probably the most overused word potentially in our entire marketing sort of field. Um, and I think that's, I also challenge my team. It's like, are you really talking strategy or are you talking about a plan or a tactic potentially? Because I think it's good to sort of take, to not abuse the word strategy too much. Okay. Because it sounds lofty got, and Because you've got to react to the, what's happening. It's like, you know. like this big, big, you know, big thought, but... Honestly, you know, uh, uh, if it's about an annual plan, let's call it an annual plan and not a strategy, right? So that we sort of, so anyway, I think in the US what we did, and we had, a re I mean, I had a really great team. I mean, you, you don't do this on your own, to be, to yeah. be perfectly honest. It was a really great team. And what we did was we analyzed the market uh, end. So what we really looked at was the commercial mix. So we looked across all 50 states, what's going on, the competitive landscape, why... And I mean, Heineken brand had been decreasing for seven years, so we had quite a lot of data on competition and why, ourselves. Why was that? What went wrong? Well, so I'll get there. I'll get there, sorry. Okay. So this is diagnosis. I think we, we, we looked at what the sales drivers were and the marketing drivers. And you can, you know, especially in FMCG, you have a lot of data on those, which is great. And I think with the team, we looked at what's going on here, and in the past seven years, what has moved versus competition. And actually quite a good picture came out on quite clear on what we were not doing, but our competition was doing a lot better. So we did that, and then it was time to formulate a strategy and to reveal, I don't know, the probably, it's quite, quite some time, time ago, so I don't think there's secrets in here, but um, we had spread the Heineken marketing budget across 50 states, literally. So, you know, you're spreading yourself awfully it's thin. Right? Yeah. And within the landscape of the U.S., and, and again, Times Square is sort of an analogy, but it's worse because Times Square, you have big sort of yeah. advertising. Yeah. I think you should take Times Square and put like stamps <laughs> on it. That's probably the US media landscape. And you're trying to get through. So spreading your budget 
across 50 states. It's just not the way to go. So, you know, we took it all back, put it centrally and started to focus just on, you know, six markets. And markets Mm. are then cities. So that's what we did. We also um, looked at the commercial mix. So what packs are we selling where, at what price versus what competition? So we did a lot of that distribution strategy. Um, We looked at our media pressure. Not a secret when you're on Times Square with a lot of stamps around you. Um, You need to do something about your media pressure and how people see you. And I think we really switched something on, which was the creative side of it, which was we talked about the quality of the beer for the first time. (laughs) So Heineken had, always had, I mean forever, has had this massive marketing machine talking about the brand more than anything else. So it's about, you know, Champions League and associating yourself with Formula One and with the best of the best and the best packaging and the best design, et cetera. But it's and not the ne- best product. <laughs> but not about the beer. Yeah. So we, you know, the craft beer, so the special beers in the US was 30 to 35% of the US market, which is a massive market, right? right? It's huge. And there's also a lot of money involved in terms of profitability, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So we decided to create a campaign on, on quality. What are the lessons you've learned from that Heineken period in in that period of the downturn that you uh, bring to Solando? Yeah, so I think, gosh, it's, it's a hard question because there's a lot. So I think there's... The a top di- three in, yeah, a, yeah, in, in a, a nutshell. Yeah, so I think diagnosis is one. Hmm. Don't skip over diagnosis. You need to go deep and you need to pain yourself with numbers. Yep. I don't think there's another way out because... Market research. There is market data, that sort of stuff. You mm-hmm. need to know what's going on. And also not in isolation, but also with your competitor around yeah. you. Yeah. I think the second one is coming into any job, probably what I've taken, is any person could do the short term and any person on the street could do the long term. What's quite difficult is doing both and right. sort of not sort of sacrificing the long term for the short term or the other way around. Ah. And sort of combining that in the right way and in the same direction so that in year two, year three, you're gaining momentum. Um, crossing with the, the chasm. Yeah, crossing. Yes, right? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think those things. And yeah. Yeah, I think my other advice would be, would be you know, trust the team. Mm-hmm. I came into the US, what did I know, right? Mm-hmm. I come into Zondo, what do I know? Yep. Yeah, I know some marketing, sure, and I have, you know, some mileage, but... I think to trust the team is is might might feel like a big risk or like this team wasn't performing before. So, so why? to learn, learn about the local markets. Really, yeah, and also to to learn from them because I know fifteen pairs of eyes probably sees more than just me, mm-hmm. and you know uh, the average IQ is probably higher too. So why so, not trust so, them? So those successes from Heineken, can you apply them to the current situation and to Zalando? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah because I think you should trust your team. And you should trust the local insights. You should trust um, the data. You should trust, you know, what, what what you're doing. And you should also look at the recession as an opportunity mm. because you're going to have some short-term opportunities that probably weren't there before. But you should never sacrifice your mid to long term because if you're going to just sell out your brand for the next seven mm. years, you're going to come out of the recession and it's not going to take off for you. Mm. How, how is Salando doing these days? Good. Yeah, I think we're... Of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> no, I think it's incredible to see with Zalando, and I, I think that's my... So th- there's a weird combination, because Heineken or PepsiCo or Sara Lee, where I've worked, these are companies that are established, 150 years old, more or less, yeah. and they're big. 
and they know how to operate. And we've operated like this for years and it's fine. It's like a machine. But Zalando is big, but it's only like 15 years old. It's like a teenager. Yeah. So what's amazing to see is what sort of this incredible growth does from all perspectives. So uh, be it HR, talent pools, processes, how do we do marketing, how do we do, you know, how do we do meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just incredible to see on the inside. Does it feel like things are changing very quickly? Yeah, you have to be very adaptable. So you can't do your Heineken sort of like, it's a machine and we'll take it <laughs> right. step by step and we'll take time. Also, I think, you know, Solando is tech and probably on top of that, it's fashion. So it's like a turbocharged thing because <laughs> uh, fashion has like four season, seasons a year. So that means like four innovation cycles a year. And then there's tech, which has, uh, has it all about, you know, capabilities, product and all that. So, yeah. but, but growth is a vital in, uh, ingredient for commerce platforms, right? Just yes. like Zalando. Yeah. And with an upcoming recession, do you see some growth decline? And how do you... What's your response as a VP marketing to that? Well, I think the, the way to look, again, recession is an opportunity. I think mm. consumers will make different choices. I think that's clear. So I do think that, you know, adapting your offer, be it pre-owned, be it whatever, you know, mm. all, the, all the, the, the whole commercial mix can be done differently, right? You can adapt that to any consumer in Europe. And we have over 50 million active customers, but we also have like 250 million non-customers. So there's also like lots of opportunity to out there. Them. Yeah. Right, right, so right. I, I I don't see that as a limit. And I think if you think about that scale and you keep thinking about that scale, there's always going to be growth opportunities or ways in or marketing or commercial commercial strategies to do it better. Don't want to miss an episode of CMO Talk? Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on cmotalk.global. In CMO Talk, we always ask our guests a couple of statements. And here's the first one for you. Uh, when marketing gets tough, market research is more important than ever. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. so I hope, so in the, in the recession, as you say, probably generally marketing budgets are going to be under pressure, right. right? That's probably a fair statement. What I hope is that in marketing, what you've done is done your homework, as I said mm. before. Right, you've done your market research, you know some commercial insights, you might have done some marketing mix analysis. You might you trust have, your team. You at least trust your team. And so I think there, there hopefully you've got that in place and you've probably hopefully trained some your, your marketing staff and you've created some tunnels. So that's a bit of a hobby where my team will laugh now, but that's my, my word for structural improvements. So I think internally... There are many projects that you should be doing in improving your capabilities. So instead of walking across the mountain to get water every single time, hopefully you've built some tunnels so that you can now easily launch campaigns or you can easily... I love all these analogies. And tunnels. Yeah, well, there you go. I've got, I've got all yeah. these beautiful images in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Got to keep you awake. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was wondering, how do you approach market research? Do you have any methodologies in mind which you fa fancy or you're a fan of? So I'm, I like big numbers generally, mm -hmm. uh, but you can also imagine that for Zalando, market research is probably slightly less important because what's interesting, I think, with, and that's something I wanted for my career, is to be closer to the consumer. Mm. So we have 50 million customers with data so that, you know, market research, what questions are you going to ask, right? How can you be close with, with you know, with, with an e-commerce company being close to your consumers? It seems, seems like a bit of a, 
you know, contradiction to me. Yeah, so I think that, you know, this data, you have to take it into pieces. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even an elephant. It's some sort of mammoth that you have to cut off little, you know, chunks to chew. Uh, and, but there's lots of data that we can cross and hopefully turn into information that we can actually act upon. And I think that's what we try to do. So I think market research to me in times of crisis mm. is probably not something that, I don't know, it's probably not my first reaction, but the data is. Mm. And I think that's where we see shifts or consumer shifts, et cetera, and that's what we want to react on. Do you it. have a typical Zalando customer? I think that's an average. Yeah, what's... what's what and I don't think we... I don't, I don't think we do well with averages. I think it... I think also with the team, we talk about keeping it simple, but you don't want to be simplistic because then it doesn't get to like the narrative or like the real feel for, I don't know, the Dutch market or, you know, Romania, what's really there. And fashion is a cultural sort of thing. So you need to be in the know and sort of close to the heartbeat and pulse of that market. Because you have all that data, I can, I, I believe that you can apply uh, the cohort of one, right? Through personalization. Um, can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, so uh, a cohort of one is is ambitious. Um, You have to explain that to me. What is that? So that you could really personalize the experience to every single individual. Okay. So that it would address you on a daily basis with uh, the best email. Dear Adam, you know, here's something. You look great in this. Yeah, and you were wearing this yesterday. Why don't you try this? Yeah, that sort of thing. And we believe your deodorant's almost finished or, you know, you, you could go all sorts of places. <laughs> we believe you stink. <laughs> you, could do it. you could do this. I don't yeah. think that's very personalized, but fine. Um, so, but so I, I think there, there is cohort is, you know, there are sizes which are relevant and segmentation which is relevant. Um, and I think for marketing, segmentation is can be useful, but it does mean that it has to be sort of addressable as a unit and it also has to be separate, separable as a unit mm-hmm. and measurable as a unit. Otherwise, you're just doing segmentation as a sort of theoretical exercise. It has to be actionable. The marketer as an entrepreneur, I would like to talk a little bit about that because you also seem to be a very entrepreneurial marketer, striving for business impact rather than only deliver creative campaigns. And you created your own brand and product yeah. called Momu. Momu, do we say uh, it right? Momu. Yeah. Um, especially changing, well, Pets. Changing mats. Mats. For babies. Cleaning cleaning mats for babies. Inspired by your own experience, I right. presume. Exactly. Yeah. yeah the, the, fatherhood. Yeah, fatherhood, first son. You're a uh, hands-on dad, I, I take it then. The, yeah, hands-on dad. You've had yeah. that fingernail yeah. experience well, of changing and, your kids. Okay. Uh, yeah, and now three, three boys, three boys later. So I know it was my first son born, uh, looked at the changing mat, sort of like, how is this possible in the age of Apple? Right, and it's, the, it's it's like the same thing that's been probably my grandma and you know yeah. my mother used. It's crazy. So yeah. that sort of uh, so I had a light bulb moment of oh. probably we could do something here to bring oh, it to. Right. Her. What, what did you change? Probably everything's the shortest thing, and um, it's really hard to describe with, without the visual. But basically, it is a white changing mat which has a back that is put up so that when you fed the baby. And they don't have this closing valve yet. Mm-hmm. It only develops after like, I don't know, three months. But when you then change the baby, it's going to create a fountain of milk if you put them yeah. down straight and after feeding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that f- putting something, you know, putting a baby flat is never really a good idea. Or, any, or anyone for that matter. Yeah. Straight after eating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So it's it's got that sort of inclined slope. Yeah. It's got sides that can prevent sort of rolling because you yeah. never know when they're going to roll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's made of a uh, material that is um, it's it's a solid matter, so it can't rip. Mm. It can't sort of uh, uh, can't go broken. Mm. So I think it also you know you can cover your first, second, and third and fourth child. I don't know how far you want to go, but <laughs> with um, one mat, yeah, with one mat. So it's okay. also a more sustainable option. Okay, you're still active in. in the, we've we've the actually just sold it this spring. Mm. Yeah, to new ownership because you know nice. uh, my wife has a career. I have a quite yes a career. So you started moment when you were at Heineken on the side as a little sideline yeah business side okay. hustle as they call okay. it. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. So that makes me wonder: what are the most important features of a successful CMO? Should they be very entrepreneurial? Is, is entrepreneurial spirit in in is it in your blood? Um. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. I'm just thinking about the CMO bit. I think it's more yeah. about the professional bit. It's about being the right professional, or the the the. Yeah, I think it's more about that than CMO as such. Mm. So I think it's about looking back. I think it's about being yourself. Mm. Mm. So if you can do that, and I think it's for me, it was hard when I think was young. If I'm honest. Mm. You know, big corporations, and you're in these career paths, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's like, how comfortable are you putting yourself out there all the time, or be really you being you? Mm. And I think that's what I would encourage everyone to do because that's where the difference is. And that because that's why we are different, right? And that's why we we could. But you have to have more than just being yourself to no, this job, right? Sure, but I mean, it starts there. Why? Because if you can do that, your team can. And they can come with answers and they can come with sort of their hesitations. Mm -hmm. They can come with their ideas. And you can create relationships as a team. Yeah, but that, so that little sidestep into make, make your own company, Momu. Yeah. And have you learned, what did you learn from that that you brought to, to your, your current role? Yeah, I, th I think you, as an entrepreneur, you start to see more of a company. So doing your, the taxes on your own, <laughs> which is a nightmare, by the way. <laughs> uh, Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and the accountancy. And I think all entrepreneurs know that. Yeah. And I think you start to understand that when you, with growth comes, oh, I need more capital. And how does that work? So I think there's lots of things on, and this was like a micro scale, let's be yeah. very, very honest. But I think it's just interesting that you sort of have this little company where you can over, uh, sort of yourself see the whole thing. Mm. Rather than just be in your in your marketing tunnel for the yeah. for, for for lack of a better word, and is it, and it's also does it feel very much well? It's your own own ideas. It's very much your own baby, or baby man. Yes, yeah, true, true. Yeah. So I think there's 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 I think a lot of natural energy that goes into if you're an entrepreneur because it's your idea, it's your mm. you know it's mm. your thing. Uh, but I think the one thing I really learned was having the the, the total overview, okay. and if you turn this dial here, what does it do? Sort of <laughs> somewhere else down the line. Yeah. Love CMO Talk? Leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We're interested in your opinion, and you'll help others find this podcast too. Adam, I'm actually up for some dilemmas. Yeah, it's time for some dilemmas. We're going to present you with some uh, dilemmas, Ralph. I mean, just quickly pick one of two options. So best to go with your gut feeling, really. Okay, ready, set, then go. Profit or growth? Growth. Getting more out of existing customers or looking for new customers? New customers. Premium brand or best price brand? Premium brand. New or second hand? 
secondhand? Flagship stores or metaverse? Oh, ouch. Okay. Oh, flagship store. Right. Okay. Interesting answers. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hone in on the second hand. Okay, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Why why, why second hand? So you see, that's a real growth market. Growth well, I I think that's from a personal sort of motivational thing. Yeah. Is that I'm the climate crisis keeps me quite busy mm. in my head mm. and in my personal life. Mm. So I do. Yeah, I just don't. Big on recycling. Yeah, big on recycling yeah. and also like being careful with that and you know driving a certain car and so how's that sit where well, you're in the fast fashion business you're selling well we're not fast, fast fashion, fashion. Oh. and in fact you know there is an ambition to to you know say goodbye to fast fashion that's okay. no secret um yeah. so that we we make more sustainable choices and okay. i think on as Solando you can try is on the app and on the website you can you actually have filters on what concerns you so is mm. it water is it biodegradable, you know, plastics, is yeah. it mm. cotton, so there's su- is it... Sustainable options. So there's sustainable options which you can filter for your personal sort of uh, okay. agenda, mm. I'll call it, and then th- those best products will come forward. And I think secondhand, you know, also reusing, recycling is the only way out or mm. part of the answer out, I would say. It's probably not the answer. Right. But we need every little bit. That's why I've still got T-shirts that are older than my kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's my, that's my argument with my wife anyway, why I hoard everything. Vintage, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the metaverse later. Um, I have a second statement for you. Many fashion retailers are betting on new exciting channels. Here we go, the metaverse, a new one. Uh, the expectations are high mm, mm. and experts expect people to spend more money on virtual clothes than on real clothes. Within the next few years, yes. isn't it? Just... So we have the Fabricant, huh? probably you've heard of it, Adriana Hoppenbrauer. Uh, they develop digital fashion for the metaverse. Here comes the statement. The metaverse is an essential growth driver for Zalando. And do you want yes or no, do you, or do you want a story? <laughs> First a yes or a no. <laughs> do you agree or not agree? And then you can elaborate. Uh, let's say no. Just to start off with, I think I'm, I, I haven't quite, as they say in America, drunk the Kool-Aid, if I'm honest, uh, yet, <laughs> um, to use a good old American, yeah. American expression. I think we haven't really figured out what this new technology is yeah. going to bring us, right? Um, and it remi- I think it sort of reminds me of back in the days, student, I'm that old, internet, email came up. Yeah. What is this going to happen? And it's going to change the world. It probably did, but not in the way mm. we could imagine or fathom at that point. <laughs> we, we, thought, we, thought, Did, we thought truth would be disseminated. <laughs> There'd be no more lies anymore. So, so, so you're, <laughs> yeah. not, you're not convinced that it's a disruptive technology? I, I do think it's a disruptive uh, technology, but mm. I think it's in pockets. And mm. I think the way, I don't know, the way it's been presented and still is sort of pushed and, and maybe marketed by, you know, Mr. Zuckerberg is... What I don't believe, let's put it that way, is that it's all things to all people. I just, I I severely doubt that. I do think we're going to find applications that are extremely interesting and of added value for us. Yeah. I just don't think we figured it all out yet. We're not all going to plug into the Matrix. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yet. exactly. But, so but the Matrix just, is one, and the other one that always has me, sort of the association I have is Wally. Do you know oh, that? Yeah, Wally. Oh, yeah. Where, where the yeah. humans have left Earth, and they're all sitting in chairs <laughs> yeah. watching a screen all day. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. But hopefully not. Do you have a vision for the metaverse? So I I do think there's going to be, you know, like virtual, this virtual 
world where there's going to be added value and there's going to be interaction that's actually going to work. But I, I, st- I also see so many barriers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the uh, bandwidth, huge issue. Uh, so there's right. a lot to be fixed before mm. we get there. But, but clothing in Zalando is a natural fit. And digital clothing is... Yes, so I do see this... this yeah, I, I see it. But I, what mm. I see... Uh, I have a son, nine years old. He's called Nick. Yeah. And he loves Roblox, oh, amongst yes. many other games, right? <laughs> and he spends all his pocket money on uh, tokens, but also on his pose and his the way he looks in, in the virtual oh, world. his avatar. Yes, yeah. his avatar. So I have to explain it to me. I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. But um. I do think it works best when it supports something. Hmm. So Roblox <clears> is already <throat> an entry point, right? Yeah. So Fortnite, for example. Or Fortnite. Or there's, yeah, there's yeah. a logical sort of passion point, which is the connection to, to such a transaction. Yeah. I think yeah. that, that works. I also think it works when it's in support, for example, of a campaign or of an idea. And we have, for example, uh, we launched this London Greenhouse at the Copenhagen Fashion Week, which, mm. is, which is all about talking about more about sustainability in fashion. And that was also, you know, in a virtual space and mm. a sort of virtual experience. That can work. Mm. I, but again, I don't think it's you all it, things to yeah, all people. Right, you see it as a tool. So, so you personally, do you think the metaverse is a great commercial opportunity or is it, is it a threat to humanity? Ugh, that's a bit big. It's um, too much. Yeah, it's a bit too much. Neither. I can say neither on that one, surely. <laughs> okay. If we enough. talk Wally, probably it is. <laughs> yeah, if it's Wally, yeah. Well, it's more, it's more uh, the Oasis in uh, Ready Player One. Yes. Have you seen that movie? Check it out. Thanks to you, Adam. You haven't seen it? No, I have not. It's a Spielberg film. Oh, you've got to see that. I've got to see that. There we go. That's the Metaverse movie. (laughs) I would love to close off the interview with some personal questions. I'm wondering who inspires you? Hmm, Particularly in times of crisis. Yeah, so I I think there's... I I guess people who stand up is probably the, Mm. the the, Mm. the, the shorthand. Hmm. Um, An example? So I see colleagues that are sort of immediately switched on in terms of energy and leadership that say, okay, I'll take this flag and I'm going to build this tunnel. <laughs> so the structural improvement that's going to make a difference for hmm. the entire company. And that that inspires me. Because yeah. then I think, okay, that person's doing that part. I'm going to do my part. What is it? So you don't have any particular person? I don't think, you know, well, I think the Winston Churchill... Uh, qu- quote is an obvious one, which is like, never waste a good crisis. Mm. It's sort of true. If you can change the mindset into, hey, what are the opportunities now? What conversations can we have now that we didn't have? What are the things we can try that we didn't have? I think those are interesting conversations to have. So I do think in times of crisis, that's, you know, interesting. And that's where you get energy. I'm also always jealous, always, of good creativity. Mm. So people that come out or brands that come out with these great campaigns. Can you give an example? I don't know. So the the last one I shared on LinkedIn was the McDonald's one in Spain where all the harvests were burned and they had a burger that shouldn't have been. And it's in a black charred box. And like the so the Mm. marketing thought was, you know, there's an insight in Spain that the crops have gone and we've lost like a lot of money to the farmers and they need support. Let's create a special burger in support of them. So <clears throat> some of the revenue goes back. And just the whole execution up to the packaging is absolutely spot on. And of course, they've got a little digital movie to, you know, explain what they're doing. But I think 
that type of creativity in, at times of crisis, that's mm. I really admire. And that's mm. like, oh, wow. And, you know, I wish I, wish I would that's have That's a great that. example. Yeah. yeah. So we need more of that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I think in times of crisis, you, yeah. Yeah, I think the creativity is al always the way out, let's be honest. Yeah. What are things do you worry about? What keeps you awake at night? Yeah, so literally, nothing. Thank God. You know, I, 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 I'm not that person, thank right. goodness, right? So uh, that doesn't really keep me awake. But what I, figuratively speaking, I would say that, you know, as mentioned, the climate crisis does sort of gnaw at me yeah. in terms of how big it is and how we just don't have the answer and how we're not, I, I don't think, and from everything I read, we're just not moving fast enough. Mm. What does that mean, question mark? I think that does, I don't know, it doesn't keep me awake, but it does sort of keep me busy behind the wheel. Yeah. If you are offered a billboard the whole world could see, what would be on it? So in marketing, you have a number of capabilities and one I don't have. So I usually explain like you can have the business commercial side, you can have the project management process uh, sort of capability, and you have the creative sort of creativity side. That side I'm least developed, I know. In, in what I do. And so I also, I also know who to hire next to me because <laughs> I need a lot of that profile. So what it would exactly be on the billboard, I can't tell you, but it would definitely be... Um, know thyself? Yeah. Well, so I think it would be, you know, everybody plant 10 trees now and it would be a sort of hopefully go into an ice bucket challenge sort of thing. Ah. I would hope that something goes, you know, ah. sort of the don't look up, but then on a billboard. Yeah, so like, can we please move together as a... Will, will your future job as a CMO will be in a sustainable startup? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. But I think what's nice about working at big companies, big scale companies, is that if you change a small thing, it has a massive, massive impact. impact. Yeah. So I, I also like working for like Heineken and Zalando, et cetera, because... A small change can have a massive impact because you just, you know, 50 million customers, so many transactions and boxes. So, yeah, I also enjoy that a lot. Are you leading the sustainability rallying cry within Zalando? Well, I mean, we all do. Okay. It's, uh, you know, there's a whole agenda on how we're going to do this together. So, uh, but it's one that I'm very passionate about. Mm. Can you yeah. give one c concrete example? What do you do, Zalando, on that regard so i mean pre-owns one so let's you know let's yeah. really take pre-owned seriously um there's also an initiative to take out all uh non-recyclable materials out of the mm. out of the chain mm. and also uh, mono-use plastics for example take those all out of the chain so if you do that on the scale of Zalando across europe boom okay. big yeah. impact within packaging as well packaging like and you know and only using recyclable materials so that you know if you have your package at home and you dispose of it correctly mm. it's going to be mm. recycled so I, I think all those things have a massive impact mm. and so we have a whole agenda which you can read up on if you if you want to but I mean there's lots of initiatives there so, yeah okay Thank you so much for um, joining us at, uh, at CMO Talk here in the studio. It's been a pleasure. Voicebook, it was a true pleasure. Yeah, don't want to miss out any episode of CMO Talk. Subscribe to cmotalk.global on your favorite podcast channel or find our newsletter on cmotalk.global. You can subscribe and we'll give you a notification when new content is up. Like to learn more about marketing on a global scale? Tune in to the CMO Talk episode number 10 with Erwin Dito of McDonald's. Ralph just mentioned. If you have any questions, thoughts or ideas, you can email me at class at cmotalk.glow. Thanks for 
for listening. Please visit cmotalk.global for more interviews. The CMO Talk podcast is developed and directed by Energize. Audio, mixing and mastering by voice booking. CMO Talk is sponsored by our valued partner, Adobe.